week 18, mostly in the books. One game to go that will determine who and where the Patriots play uh, in the first round of the playoffs. Uh, Evan Lazar alongside John Zanis here. Uh, the I don't know that it matters right now uh, watching this game, Evan. Uh, Patriots lose to the Dolphins 33-24, really 27-24 with that last little Right, maybe the, maybe the worst attempt at you know at a, at one of those multilateral it like plays. They had a, a plan, and then I don't know what happened. It looked but, like by tossing the Myers, they thought they would reverse the field, right, with his. Ability I thought to he was going to run some, but you yeah. can't throw that first pass to someone in the end zone yeah, and have really. them not run out of it. Anyway, that's the microcosm of the disaster of a game that we just watched. Exactly, yeah. it was a fitting end to a terrible game, and again, yeah. fool's gold with the comeback late in the game. Bad yeah. game, bad execution, bad penalties, dumb, 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 horrible dumpster fire game by Mac again, bad coaching. And again, the biggest trend, and we just talked about it offline, Evan, is this wasn't a game the Patriots needed to win. It was really going to determine seeding, uh, you know, with the Bills likely to, you know, to hold off and beat right. the Jets. The division, they lost that already. So yeah. this was a this was a get right game yeah. uh, against a team you thought you could get pressure against because they don't have a good old line didn't really happen with any consistency a team you thought they're not going to run the ball on you they've got one of the worst rush offenses in the league and yeah. they rammed it down your friggin' throats then you make dumb penalty after dumb penalty horrible you know individual bad plays you know the the most recent one being obviously the get to a third and eight scrambling out of that right. where you could have gotten the ball back to win just all game long they they, they shot themselves in the foot left and right, didn't make the, enough plays to win just looked like a bad football team and now we're literally Evan this is Three out of the last four weeks, this has looked like a dog shit, like a terrible football team uh, and not one that can beat anybody in the playoffs. I don't care who and I don't care where. Yeah, I think last week when we came on here, a lot of comments in the chat about how negative we were about a 50 point blowout or whatever. It was what, 50 to 10 against the Jaguars. And the reason being is because the Jaguars masked a lot of the issues that were still popping up for the Patriots that we had seen for the last month with this team. And I don't even know where to start uh, with the Patriots right now. They have, as I tweeted out right after the final whistle, a myriad of issues. I mean, there's issues everywhere from Mac Jones at this point in time, finally showing a rookie quarterback's colors, right? And playing a, a lot like a rookie on that pick six. I know everybody on the broadcast and, and all these, oh, Xavier Howard baits him into it. No, he really didn't. It was straight cover two. It was actually cover two pre-snap also. It was cover two the whole way. And he's sitting on the flat the entire time. And I think Mac Jones cut a corner, didn't confirm the fact that they were in that too high shell and threw the ball into a covered flat receiver and Jacoby Myers. And, and you look at some of his other mistakes that he made in this game, like on the fumble exchange on the snap. I watched that again. Initially, I figured it was a David Andrews swapped out for Ted Karras for a drive issue. It was a pretty fine snap. Like, look, I, I get it's a new center. I get that exchange is something that you drill and work on time and time again. But that was a pretty clean snap, all things considered. Yeah. Mac Jones needs to just add. So you have the two turnovers from Mac Jones that were the two biggest swings in the game from a win probability standpoint. You have the fact that the Patriots continue 
continue to absolutely murder themselves on special teams with dumb penalties. Look, I, I think we can throw Cam Accord under the bus all we want. Uh, the special teams coach for the Patriots, Lawrence Guy's been in the league for how long? I mean, this is he's going on a decade in the NFL if he's not already there. He knows as well as anybody that you can't cover up the long snapper. The rule's been the rule like that for the last decade. It, that, that rule hasn't changed. It's been that way for a very, very long time since they really got serious in some aspects of the game with player safety. He knows that rule. That's right. Cam McCord can only do so much when a guy gets out there and covers the long snapper. That's clearly not his alignment or his scheme on that play. And he knows that. And then you look at the defense. And the Dolphins did pretty much whatever they wanted offensively for most of the game. The defensive numbers even out a little bit, uh, just in terms of the end of the game, they, they ended up, you know, kind of mitigating some of it on that final drive and getting the numbers down just a little bit in the comeback. But for the most part, Miami threw it when they wanted to throw it. They ran it, especially when they wanted to run it, getting blown off the football. You have one sack. You have two tackles for loss against the run. That tells you all you need to know about penetration or negative plays. You got the pass rush, which I think is probably the biggest storyline that we're not talking about enough, is how this pass rush completely has completely fallen apart. Not only getting pressure on, on the quarterbacks, but containing the quarterbacks has been a massive problem for them since the Buffalo game. Even Te Trevor Lawrence last week got out once or twice on, on those types of plays, and then Tua beats you twice with his legs here today i i just i think i i come back to look we can vent and we can scream and yell about all the issues that the patriots have shown on tape over the last month and today was a microcosm of all the issues coming to fruition and all of them all at once but i think the big picture question about this team is can they fix enough of this in the next week to actually be a competitive product in the playoffs next weekend in Buffalo or Cincinnati, which is where they're headed in one of those two destinations. Can they put enough of this together in eight days or whatever it ends up being seven days of practice time or preparation time to be able to be respectable and competitive next weekend in the wild card round? Because right now, it doesn't feel like it. It doesn't feel like they're going to be able to put enough of this this puzzle together uh, for the playoffs. And I hope I'm surprised. I hope they take us by surprise and, and we're all blown away by their performance next week and they flip a switch and, and some of this was just complacency or something like that. But I find that really hard to believe because these issues are continuously come up time and time again uh, where – uh, they just have a lot of things going wrong on them. And I want to get to the coaching in, in the first quarter here in a second, but first and foremost, the, the player execution in all three phases needs to be a whole lot better. But that's, that's what kills me is we said this was early in the season problems. It is yeah. not a team with enough talent to play sloppy, you, right. the, it, to make mistakes, to miss assignments, to lose contain. You know, you had the, uh, was the Tua scramble earlier when Van Noy yeah. takes a ridiculous freaking angle there yeah. and allows him to bounce outside. Uh, it was about a 30 yard run on that one. Like there's too many moments where guys who are supposed to do things aren't doing those things. So you have yeah. those problems, but then the bad penalties and all of that stuff. I mean, it's just terrible. And then you throw Mac on top of it. You can call it rookie stuff, but like no quarterback is supposed to look away from the ball when they take a snap, you know what I mean? And he just, he went too fast there. That interception, that's not a rookie play. It's a bad quarterback play. I mean, yeah. on that throw, it's just a bad, it's just bad. It wasn't, as you said, it wasn't, he was tricked into something. Right. 
He yeah. just didn't do what quarterbacks are supposed to do. Yeah, and do a terrible you, pass. You know, when you go up against Brian Flores, everybody just assumes that Flores tricked him with some sort no. of coverage rotation. It's just, or it was just trap. a bad play, a bad yeah. football play. Yeah, it was just bad. And I, I, I think the biggest thing that to answer my own question about can they put enough of this together in the next five or six days to be competitive in the playoffs next weekend? This Patriots team needs to be coached better, and. I'm not excusing the players for the fact that they have been uh, poor executionally in a lot of areas and a lot of phases going on a month now, but when they, when they have a good script to start the game and they come out and they play well in the opening quarter and when it, whether it comes down to play calling with the opening script from the two teams, the 25 plays or roughly 25 right. plays that they both throw out there or it's energy for the team early on, all of that to me points to the coaching staff uh, in a lot of ways. And I look at the way this game started and the dolphins go right down the field on their opening script. That was basically a carbon copy of the script they used in week one against the Patriots to do the exact same thing to march right down the field. And maybe there was a little bit of window dressing that was somewhat different there was a few formations that maybe were a little bit different, but it was RPOs. It was stuff underneath. It was the bubble screens on the outside, the slant concepts, the little tricky RPO down by the goal line on the touchdown to Waddle. And they got absolutely out coached for the first 20 plays of this game. You also look at the defense for the Dolphins against the Pats offense. I tweeted out the stat really early on in the game that the Dolphins were going into the week, one of the least frequent teams to use cover two. They they don't call cover two a whole lot. They call it about 9% of their pass plays. It was 31st in the league coming into the game. And on the first two third downs of the game, of course, what are they in? They're in cover two, including the pick six where they're also in cover two. And I look at the two route combinations on the pick six on the top of the screen to his left, Mac has slant flat, which is just a classic man beater, right? You try to get that rub or that pick and you try to get that to create some sort of mismatch for you. And then you also have on the right side what they call their branch option, which is just a fade route to clear out the sideline with the out route from the inside receiver. Those are post-safety man coverage beaters. Those are not too high beaters. So Flores breaks a tendency. He plays too high on third down. The Patriots have two combinations to both sides of Mac Jones that can't beat cover two or successfully beat cover two. Really the only option, and I have to watch it on the all 22 on the pick six is to throw the sideline to Nelson Aguilar, right? You have the cover right. two safety over the top. If you back shoulder him or you stop him in the cover two hole, he he made a similar throw later on in the game. That That's really the only option you have against that coverage, which really isn't a great option in that situation. Right. So you look at the opening script by the Dolphins, the Patriots do not have the talent. They don't have the experience at quarterback and they don't have the mental toughness right now or the ability to execute cleanly for the rest of the game that if they get down 17 to nothing, it's over. It, it's over. The game was really over after. The and now look at it in the three losses. Okay. You're talking yeah. tw 20, uh, 20, nothing. And it was. 20 to three or 20 to seven and then 17 to nothing. The, these three losses, you know, that that's, that's not going to happen. You yeah, know, like, right. So if they, if they have any chance of being competitive next week, 
they their coaching staff needs to go in there and have an amazing script to start the game against Buffalo or Cincinnati, where they just have a great game plan and they're able to help the and prop up some of these these players to have a better start to the game. Because when they get out coached like they did in the first 10, 15 plays of this game by Brian Flores and his staff, we see the product and they can't come back. They aren't built yet enough to really come back from that kind of deficit. How many games have we covered this season, John, where they get down 17 to nothing and they make it 27 to 24 and it feels competitive in the fourth quarter, but they were never actually that close to capping off the comeback because they can't make the plays in the end of the game to, to really uh, put themselves in a position to win. So not good enough to win in any phase. And I'm sure that's what Bill Belichick's going to say when he gets to the podium here in a few minutes. I guess so. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's frustrating. Take a quick look at the playoff picture here. Um, you know, and this is what we have right now. Uh, Titans are the one seed chiefs are the two bills move up to the three. The Bengals tanked because they wanted to face the Patriots. They might not get a chance to, um, because if the Raiders win, uh, I think a win or tie puts the Patriots to the sixth seed, the three-way tie. No, it wouldn't. If the Raiders win, um, they are the, uh, uh, they jump, they, they, they jump the Patriots, the Patriots yeah. go to the six, uh, and, and then Correct. Pittsburgh makes the playoffs. They would sneak in, they sneak in here, uh, assuming one of these two wins. So it is interesting. This is the kneel down game, right? Yes. Chargers and Raiders could kneel down and end it and both make the playoffs. But realistically, one of them is going in and one of them is going home and only the Raiders can leapfrog the frog, the Patriots. So if the chart, if the chargers win Patriots are playing the Bengals, if the Raiders win Patriots fall to six and they are going back to Buffalo. I want to take a second to shout out our friends at betonline.ag. BetOnline would like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue our march to the playoffs and beyond. BetOnline remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action for 2022. New year and a new updated desktop and mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code CLNS50 to get started. That's CLNS50 to get started from football, basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2022. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. So we'll get into who the Patriots want to play more in a little bit, but just want to dissect this game a little bit more. Uh, you know, I want to focus a little bit on Mac. Uh, it's one thing to make the mistakes, miss some reads, miss some throws, do some stuff, yeah. you know, and again, uh, you know, the, the thing that I always concerns me the most is uh, I just, I don't know if the, it's gotten worse as the season gone, has gone on. I'm just not seeing him drilling the ball down anywhere ever i was uh you know you know just texting with a group of people like i don't care if mac throws the next pass to a dolphin i just want to see some friggin' rpms on it like i know it's not the most important thing but yeah. he's just tossing he's just lobbing lollipops all over the field right now uh and i i'm not sure what throws he's not attempting to make because he's afraid he can't get the ball there or not but it seems more of an issue and it could just be in my head uh, these last this last stretch here, these last few games than it was other parts of the season where, yeah, 
he's not a high velocity sort of guy, but every once in a while you'd see him step back and drill a throw and you'd be like, okay, it's in the bag. I'm not seeing it at all right now. Everything is just this lollipop balloon over the coverage, trying to drop it into somebody. Yeah. Uh, look, I, I think that that's been a concern of his, from, of his, since the draft process. Of course. Now, am I overly concerned about his ability to drive the ball down the field? Not overly concerned. Look, I, I think the throw to Nelson Aguilar along the sideline, he makes a far hash throw over the first level in front of the uh, cover three defender. I think it was cover three. The broadcast said it was cover two, but whatever. I'll, I'll see it on the tape. But regardless, the, that type of throw, the one to Aguilar along the sideline where he does reach it from the far hash, it, that's that takes some velocity, right? You don't get it all the way out there without having some zip. Yeah. And I thought that that throw, throw in particular showed a little bit of trust in his arm too because he does have the defender underneath Aguilar there. And if he doesn't believe that he has that ability to throw that football across the field like that, then he doesn't pull the trigger on a pass like that. Now, the area of the field that I think – that maybe it becomes more of an issue because he can put some air under it to get it to the sideline and really kind of arc it a little bit more to get to the sideline and not be in danger of overthrowing the receiver into an interception. The area that I'd be more concerned about the arm strength is down the middle of the field. And I don't mean the short middle. I mean like past 10, 15 yards and accessing the area uh, between the deep safeties. If it's two or uh, in front of the deep safety, if it's one, I haven't seen the Patriots have a, a whole lot of ability to really access the deep middle of the field. And I think when you look at their personnel, especially when you look at a guy like Hunter Henry and their tight ends, their ability to stress middle of the field coverage, then hopefully run Aguilar on like a deep post or a deep over route or something like that into that part of the field uh, would be a nice area to be able to attack. So if that's a long way of saying that, I don't think it's completely what's holding their offense back, but I do think that it is something that they have to manage. It it limits the playbook and he's clearly being managed on what they're trying to do. And it's frustrating to watch for some people because they're like, why aren't they doing this? And it is, I think, in large part by design because he just, there's some throws you're just not going to call on him to make. So there's certain concepts and certain plays you're just not going to run uh, in this offense. So you end up with a lot of what you end up here. And again, I don't know. This is one of those tough ones where you have to go see the tape in terms of separation. And is he missing guys? So again, this is always hard, hard, hard to evaluate until Tuesday when we can look at some film and say, ah, yeah, you know, this is, it is what it is. So um, just a thing with Mac in general, it's you, you were hoping to see more progress throughout the season. And I don't know that we did. Yeah, I think that progress is is an interesting question because to me, uh, I'm not, I know this is really cliche, but the development's not always linear, right? You're not always gonna. He's not gonna right. Be exactly improving. Each game is better than the last, right? Right. Yeah, it's not always gonna work like that. There's gonna be two steps forward, one step back with a young quarterback, and I think there was a lot of really good things that I take away from this game from Mac, like the 35 yarder Hunter Henry early in the game where he sidesteps the blitzer, allows Damian Harris to block the blitz and then kind of steps up and around in the pocket and throws to Hunter Henry on the crossing route. And then he's got the, uh, the Nelson Aguilar throw. I, I was talking about to the far hash deep hole. And then you talk about throws, uh, you know, to Jacoby Myers on fades and, and uh, Hunter Henry on deep corners and you know things down the field. I thought in this game, he threw the ball down the field a little bit more honestly, than, than what he did last week. And I'm sure, sure. that 
the passing chart would probably reflect that. I mean, he's got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight attempts of over twenty yards. Yeah, I mean, look, you had you had two to my you had two to Myers, one to Henry. I mean, he he they they when they got down, he made some throws. Yeah, so I, I think that you look at some of the opportunities when they do create separation down the field, like that Jacoby Myers fade on Xavier Howard. That's a perfect example of okay, that was a really good. Uh, you know, that was a really good play all around, right? It wasn't the best throw ever, but at least he put it in a catchable spot and Myers makes a good catch on the football. That's you want to see more and more of that from the Patriots and whether that's bringing in receivers that can create separation and do more down the field than what they currently have or the guys that they have improving and all progressing together uh, as a result of Mac Jones being around more and being more experienced in the system. I, I think that that is something that I hope that that this team will come to fruition down the road. I, I really don't, I'm not overly concerned about the arm strength. What I'm more concerned about is how are they going to build the offensive weapons in the roster around Mac Jones as we move forward? And are they going to get guys in here that can, you know, just take advantage of his, of what the skills he has. Right. I, I think when you look at this team, Jacoby Myers is, is a really nice piece. He's a good story. He's not a number one guy and he's their most targeted receiver almost every single week. And the Patriots don't have a Wes Welker or a Julian Edelman or a Troy Brown or a Dion branch as somebody that can truly be a 1000 yard receiver. What's funny in, is you may need, you may need that more than you need the outside downfield threat guy, you know? Yeah. You know, you might need that guy who can operate the middle of the field. Like right now, if you're looking at somebody this offseason you want the Patriots to target, you should be looking at the Hunter Renfro. You know, right. you you need a guy like that to yeah. fit to fit Max skill set more yeah. so than that. And when we're talking about making these throws downfield, again, they're still like kind of lollipop throws he's making out there he's just making them with really great touch he you know that the the jacoby pass was a terrific pass you know yeah uh he's just not going to step up and just rifle balls down the middle of the field so you're right getting guys who can operate in those short spaces i yeah, think I makes mean, much more calling, sense I, i've been yeah. calling for it for weeks now the fact of the matter is is that the patriots have a quarterback who in a lot of ways is a, it, it was a lot like when brady was younger i don't know if mac is ever going to come close to taking that next leap that Brady ended up taking in those six Oh seven seasons, you know, in that range. But when, what Mac is good at is getting the ball out accurately, getting the ball out on time, hitting receivers on the move and allowing them to run with the football and basically hitting them with their momentum down the field. And they don't have right now an elite besides maybe Kendrick Bourne, who's blossomed into a really good, a yak receiver and yards after the catch type of guy. They don't really have that guy. And I went back and looked and at Julian Edelman and, and Wes Welker and their yak numbers. And, and they were insane in that phase. Like Welker in his prime with the Patriots from like 07 to 2011 is averaging five and a half yards after catch per reception. You know, that's insane, right? I mean, Debo Samuel this year leads the league in yak at, at nine yards per reception. So you talk about these types of players, uh, that's what the Patriots need. They need somebody that Mac can hit on a three-step slant and have that guy take a seven-yard pass and turn it into a 40-yard gain. Like, they don't like, have like that what, player. Like who Nikhil was supposed to be. Right. They don't have that player right now, and I do think that that's really a, a reason why uh, their offense in passing offense has some limitations as well. But 
look, I outside of the mistakes, I thought their passing offense today did enough. And I, I know that that sounds like a uh, putting lipstick on a pig, but outside of the pick six and, and the boarded snap, I, I mean, they threw the ball for 260 plus yards. Uh, they moved the ball pretty well, you know, based off of the possession charts and stuff like that outside of that first drive. And uh, really uh, the bigger issue that I found in this game uh, was just those two mistakes are, are fatal errors that they just can't overcome right now. And they can't have that from the quarterback. Nope. Nope. You can't have it. You have to play, you have to play a, a near perfect game. You have to play a clean game. Um, and so it has to start with Mac. And that's the problem is the one step forward, one step back um, situation is, you know, we've had periods of time here where we've thought, put, put, put it on the kid's shoulders, you know, throughout yeah. the course of the season, let's see what he can do. Let's open up the playbook a little bit and stop with the kid gloves. We think that that cost them some games earlier in the year. Um, and then he has games where it's like, Oh, well, yeah, you know, he may not be fully ready yet. So I understand the management, uh, you know, uh, of the situation to a point they look at each game, run the ball, control possession, eliminate right. mistakes, win the game, you know, and then you have, you know, pick sixes in this game. And then obviously the, um, uh, the, the Colts game, right? Yes. The Colts. And you get down two scores like yeah. that. Well, the, no, the Colts game, they had the block punt. That the was block the punt. That's what it was. Yeah, That's he had the, the touch. He had the interception in the red zone, which was a killer. Yeah. Yep. I, yeah. 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 The, 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 the block punt score. All uh, right. And you get down early and then the whole game plan blows apart. So they just can't. I mean, this, but whether it's the special teams or Mac, um, you know, dropping the ball today, throwing that pick six, can't have those. Um, I've been uh, back and forth on the Mac thing all year. It's, it's a chicken or the egg. Argument, it is. It is. Right? You want to see it. You know what? You would want to see it more. The problem with the Patriots is they ended up winning and got competitive. Yeah. And then it became about stacking W's where if this were a team that was five and, you know, whatever you, you would, you could make a case for just let the kids sling it, take his lumps this year and right. then be ready, be more battle tested for next year. But because they were, you know, putting wins together and, and at one point looked like they were in the driver's seat for the division. You started to, you wanted to continue managing games to stack up the W's at the end of the day, when you look at the schedule, I mean, there's really not outside of the chargers and the bills under extreme circumstances. There's really not a quality win over a quality opponent in there. Tennessee was missing its entire offense in that game. Obviously that's a good opponent, but bills, Panthers, Falcons, uh, you know, jets twice, Houston, Jacksonville. Patriots definitely had the fortune of a really, really, really favorable schedule and caught teams at exactly the right times. Um, so a weird year for that, but go ahead, Evan. You're saying you've been back and forth on the Mac stuff. Yeah, it's a chicken or the egg thing, right? Is is the lack of downfield explosiveness in their offense a Mac Jones problem, or is it a Patriots problem? Right. right? Is it is it the receivers? Is it the system? All those things, because outside and look, Brandon Cooks had a thousand yard season here. He was good in that downfield role, but even watching that season, if you guys remember it, it never felt like a great felt like a great fit. It always kind of felt like he was round hole, square peg, and they were making it work because he was a talented receiver, but it was never, it never felt like it was operating at all cylinders. Randy Moss is the only other guy that's ever been a true downfield guy in this offense. Everybody else that they put in that role has either struggled or been average to mediocre and is basically clearing out the entire game, right? Just running, running up the field to take safety coverage with him or, or whatever. 
And that's all well and good. I mean, there's a there's a reason for that. And and the system itself, there's a reason for all these things and all these decisions that they make. But is the lack of downfield explosiveness a Mac Jones problem? Is it an offense problem? Is it a skill player problem? It's probably a little bit of all of it. I, I think I'd rank Mac towards the bottom, honestly, and, and say that he's probably the least of the problems out of all of those. Um, but I don't know. It... it, it it's tough. It's tough because one play or a one or th- you know three or four plays, I can say, oh wow, there's nobody open. But I'm sure I could watch a lot of tape around the NFL and find three or four plays a game where nobody's open. Right? The defensive players get pl- played too, and I, I don't know. It, it's it's really a tough one to figure out. I get this question all the time. I ask myself the question all the time, and it's really hard to put your finger or pinpoint it as is it a separation issue. Is it a system issue? Is it a quarterback issue? Because it's probably everything. And I know I think it's a little of everything. I actually, in terms of confidence going forward, critical of Mac right now and showing level of concern is really more about not expectations of a rookie quarterback. It's really over everything about Mac is about ceiling. Okay. What are you expecting the Patriots, even in perfect circumstances, even if they got a home game in the playoffs, maybe win one game in the playoffs. Like this isn't a team that's going on a deep playoff run. It's not. Um, so anything right now is gravy in terms of, uh, you know, getting to extend your season and play for something meaningful. Great. In year one of a rookie quarterback. Awesome. Every conversation about Mac is about ceiling. So when you see him, you want to be able, you want to see him do the things you would, you expect from your franchise quarterback and a guy who's going to be the guy calling signals for 10 plus years. So when we talk about arm strength, you're thinking, okay. That could be a problem if he's going to have this, yeah. if this is as Look, good as it gets. If you talk, yeah. Yeah, go ahead. No, no, but so that's when we're looking at that, it's yeah. kind of like, is this going to improve as he gets better? He gets an NFL body a little bit more. So right. he's in the program. You know, you did see Brady, you know, his arm got stronger as time went on. You see Burrow. Burrow is definitely throwing the ball with a lot more zip. When he came out of college, this wasn't a guy who they thought was a, you know, prototypical big armed, yada, yada, you know. So, uh, that's what you want to see with Mac and you want to see progression. You want to see things that give you hope that he's going to be something great. And there's moments where you're like, this guy could be special. And then there's moments where you're like, I mean, I, I was on with, we did a podcast with Greg uh, yeah. Bedard and this, you know, knocked me back and agree with it or don't agree with it. But initially he had his ceiling as Drew Brees and his floor as Kirk cousins. And after watching for a full year, he's like, I might have to amend my floor. And he had his floor as Matt Castle. Okay. That that's a low floor. Yeah. Maybe a little too low for me. (laughs) That's a little too low. Greg Greg likes to get a little spicy sometimes. He does. And I'm not saying that. And everyone's going to start killing Greg in the chat now. And I'm not doing this to divert criticism from us um, over to Greg. That's a really low floor. Um, But. I do think Kirk Cousins is a would be a high floor. That's a yeah. highly functioning starting quarterback, albeit not one that you necessarily think is going to you know take you to a Super Bowl on the strength of it, you know, on his shoulders alone. But that's really it. You're everything about Mac is you're looking, projecting two and three and four years into the future, not right. judging him in the moment. Exactly. Yeah, that's a great way of putting it because it's. I think a lot of people get aggravated with the coverage of Mac Jones and they say, he's only a rookie. You know, we, we, we won 10 games with them. We made the playoffs. That's not what we're talking about. That's not what we're talking about. Exactly. We are talking about the fact that, okay, we have now seen 17 
full games of Mac Jones as a starting quarterback in the NFL. That is a lot of games. He's no longer a rookie. He's now heading into his second season, most you know, from a most part. And you look at it from a 17 game sample, and I think you can really start to understand what is his ceiling. What what is he going to be down the road? Now there are going to be times where he's going to make some really quicker, uh, faster decisions or better decisions from a mental standpoint because he has more reps and he's seen more things and he gets more experience and all those types of things. But physically, where is that ceiling? I, I'm not sure. When when I talk about floors, I, I think Matt Castle's way way too low. But besides that, <laughs> when I talk about floors, I would look at a floor more like on the prism of maybe Jimmy G right. As somebody that's that exactly what I think you're carrying yeah. for the most part, but he still can make some plays for you situationally. Jim, Jimmy G has been great on third down and on in the red zone, his entire career. Now, Kyle Shanahan's great at scheming third down and red zone. You know, that's really when the coaches get to flex a little bit in those situations, you know, in the chat uh, saying Andy Dalton, Andy Dalton made multiple pro bowls. Right. I, I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I maybe, I, I don't know. I, I just, it's certainly in the ballpark of an Andy Dalton, right. It is would be, a, a, we're talking about floor, but yeah, when we have these conversations, it's not a look, he had a great rookie year. He had a great rookie year. I had a article out last week where I made a pitch for him to be rookie of the year. Right. I mean, he had a great rookie season. There's no sure. doubt about that. The question at, is, at worst, he finishes second, in, you know, behind Chase, you know, and right, that's it. Right. right. And the question is, is can he take a next step to the point where he's not making these types of mistakes, like on the pick six, and he's actually carrying the Patriots to wins, not not shrinking them in these games. Can we get to that point with Mac Jones? Right. Year two is a big year for him. I'm not saying they're going to give up on him after two seasons. That's not what I'm suggesting. But year two is a big year from him uh, to see if he's going to take that next step. And what is that next developmental step for Mac Jones? So that That's, I think, a really tough question to answer right now. It is. Uh, and so, again, it's that's, you know, as we said throughout the season, you and you, you made a really good point. It's nonlinear. It's year yeah. one. It's yeah. going to be ups and downs. It's not – you're not – Oh, better this, but you would have liked to see it maybe in quarter polls, you know, like, yeah. or a second half clearly better than the first. I didn't, I, I, there were some things you saw that we really liked in, 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 uh, early. All I know is over the last few weeks. And again, you throw out Jacksonville cause it's Jacksonville. And then again, Jacksonville pulled the stunner of the year this year. Yeah. So maybe you don't throw that game completely out, but those three or four losses, the second half against the Colts. I liked what I saw a lot, a lot, yeah. a lot, maybe more so than anything in recent that, that he'd done in the three, four, five weeks prior. Uh, that was I was really bullish on Mac after that one. Um, but the last couple uh, with the with the Bills and then this game, I thought were 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 were, were pretty weak. So yeah, um, I don't we, even think that that's the biggest issue with the team. Honestly, and it's not. What's funny is the big six the, was bad, but outside the, of that, I really don't think that that's the biggest issue with the it's team. Not, it's not. It's that the that the reason we're talking about that is actually you know in a strange way, Mac is the person I'm hanging more hope on. To all of a sudden. You know, if you if you support the Patriots, you follow the Patriots. I actually think Mac is the only one who could maybe save you because yeah. you know who the other people are. We were waiting to see whether Mac's game would take a leap, um, yeah. and all of a sudden he'd start to do things and win things for you. And I don't think he's there yet. Doesn't mean he won't be. But again, when we judge him, I think Mac is probably the the, the thing you have to feel best about uh, yeah. on on this team and certainly this offense. Uh, I. 
everyone's going to talk about who do you throw to. I mean, I think the as the season continues to go on, I just I don't think it's just scheme and I don't think it's whatever. I think the weapons ended up being trash. I think you got a couple gadget players. You got Bourne who does a nice thing or two and Myers who's reliable, but there's just not enough talent everywhere. You talk about Yak. Henry's the opposite of Yak. Like he's emerged as a decent target, but he yeah. literally fall. He crumples to the ground as soon as he catches every pass. Yeah. yeah. So, so I, I mean, asked uh, Jacoby Myers about <laughs> about yak the other day and his answer to the question i asked him is that an area of your game that you feel like you could approve on just in terms of is that a developmental area or are you a yak receiver and you're not a yak receiver right i think a lot of guys feel like sometimes yak is if you have the athletic ability to be a yak guy then you have it like if you're tyree kill you can run after the catch with the football if you're jacoby myers maybe not the answer that he gave me was that he had a coach, and I'm assuming this was a Patriots coach because it sounds like a Patriots thing to say, that said if he caught every single target thrown his way in a game and then fell to the ground immediately and didn't gain any yards after the catch, after the catch, he had a good day. And I just heard that, and I was like, oh, no. And the second thing that he said to me was not only did he say that, then he was like, the other thing is like, I'm more concerned about ball security than picking up yards after the catch. And I'd rather not fumble and, and hang on to the football than be fighting for extra yards. And I, I just, that those two answers really summed up the Jacoby Myers yak experience to me because right. he does run with the football with, with two hands on it. Like he's terrified of fumbling yeah. it. And he does look right. like it's a, much I did my around. job. I got right. open enough and caught this ball. Right. That's it. That's right. my job. Right. right. And you're right. It's, it's, it's a matter of expectation. Hunter Henry is the same guy. I'm, I need to run a route and get to a spot and then I get to catch it and that's right. it. And he's a very much secure the thing and go down sort of guy. Kendrick Bourne is the only guy, only guy who's trying to run with it after the fact and they draw yeah. up some stuff and John but again, John ended up being an absolute non-factor right. in the actual passing game and everything for him was, a, was a gadget. Um, so that's, that's the one that kills me. I thought John Smith was going to be that guy who operated uh, and got you a lot of stuff underneath and a lot yeah. of yak. I'm just, I'm stunned that that turned out the way that it did um, that whole situation. And then I just thought you, if you couldn't run Aguilar deep as the clear out guy, you would try to get him on some crossers and use his speed going on in the middle a little bit and never, yeah. ever, 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 ever did it. I don't yeah. understand that from a from a scheme standpoint. I don't understand maybe their philosophy was we've got to open up the middle, and the only way we can do it is just to send Aguilar, you know, yeah. down the sideline. I, side think, I think that is their philosophy, and I think that's been it all year, yeah. and it's just absolutely neutered him, uh, and they didn't get anything from him and that blows my mind so you're wondering are there any tricks in the bag you know is there anything they held back that you think they can pull out and we might all of a sudden be stunned by the team because they have played pretty freaking vanilla the last few weeks as well almost as if they were like coasting into the final few games so i don't want to say oh wait till the playoffs but you think there's anything more there we haven't seen that we might see so I asked Josh McDaniels that question the other day too, because I yes. do think yep. there are some things that I know you asked my, that. This is a setup. Yep. In, 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 <laughs> good job. In my mind, I'm thinking to myself, there's a few guys here. There's a few things here that they haven't fully touched on yet. Right. I think the biggest thing to me is the two best players on your team with the ball in their hands are Kendrick Bourne and Johnny Smith. So yep. 
everything that they do outside of, okay, it's third and six and we have to get seven yards. First and second down should be the Kendrick Bourne and Jonu Smith show. They should be trying to get those two guys the football and create explosives on first and second down by having those guys run with the ball in their hands. And until they're able to unlock that, and the one package I've been waiting for is 20 personnel, right? Where they run out there with their three best wide receivers, Myers, Bourne, Aguilar, Henry, Jonu Smith. No running back. Right. Put Jonu Smith in a running back role. Have right. him run routes out of the backfield. Have him pass protect from the backfield if you have to do that. Have them use their most dynamic five in the passing game all on the field at once. I don't think the backs are in the top five in terms of dynamic pass catchers in this group. So put all five of those guys out on the field together. The other thing that I'm interested to see is, is there more Alabama Mac stuff in there? Are there RPOs somewhere in that, that mind of McDaniels? And he said to me that he assured me that if there were plays that would gain first downs and touchdowns that he had on a whiteboard somewhere that he'd be calling them now. And he wouldn't wait to be calling them until January. That's that was sort of the line that he felt. And I said, well, that's more, worrisome than if you had told me that sometimes you hold back a little bit and i look back at some of the last 20 years and i say there were things you know bs because there were things that they would come out opening script and all of a sudden aaron hernandez is in the backfield and he and he's not just in the backfield for one or two plays he's in the backfield for 25 plays right and there's other things that they've done come playoff time, other wrinkles, trick plays, whatever the case may be uh, that they might run. Julian Edelman hadn't thrown a pass in his career until he threw a pass against Baltimore in the divisional round of the playoffs. Still right? arguably my favorite game I've ever attended at Gillette Yeah, Stadium. so there's there's always things in the postseason that they bring out that they hadn't brought out earlier. So maybe that would be the case. But honestly, I, I, I we've been on 40 minutes. I want to turn over back to the defense and the special teams. I was going to ask there because, right, because the defense. I think defense, that's just as big of an issue, if not bigger. So. The defense again you know just to get gashed the way that they did by such an uninspired group of running backs and yeah. and, a t- and, a, and it's uh, uh, an offensive line that's not known for opening holes like yeah. how does that happen here I don't know I mean look I, I think when I look at the defense there's there's a couple things that worry me about the run defense the first thing is you can almost always tell if the run defense is getting penetration based off of tackles for loss. Now it's not a perfect science because maybe they're not getting penetration, but they're stopping the guy for a one yard gain. So it doesn't technically count as a tackle for loss. But for the most part, if you're making plays behind the line of scrimmage, then you're getting TFLs. The Patriots today had two TFLs on the entire game. Miami ran the ball 43 times. 43 times, 36 times with their running backs, 37 times if you count Gaskins one carry. 37 carries, two tackles for loss. That tells you you're getting blown off the ball, right? Right. You're you're not creating penetration. You're not resetting the line of scrimmage. You're not getting in the backfield to create negative plays. When you look at the 27-yard run by Duke Johnson off the edge, a lot of people putting that on Matthew Judon. I look at that play and I see it more on Adrian Phillips, to be honest with you, because Judon gets into a position where he's inside force and he's kind of two gapping at that point, right? He's got the outside edge, but he's also got to peek inside to the inside gap and outside in inside zone. Adrian Phillips is the guy that's standing right on the edge, right? And he's got, he's over the tight end. The motion comes. He's the last guy out to that side. You have to force the run back inside. If you're Phillips, he gets caught inside the tight end, 
cracked box kind of, and he kind of comes in and Phillips goes in with him. And that's what really sealed the edge for the Dolphins. So you look at run fits, like that's a run fit example, right? Where the fit wasn't very well done. And then you also look at their inability to get guys into the line of scrimmage. That's a big problem for their run defense as well. They have played terribly on the line of scrimmage on defense, especially. uh, And I would say basically on defense for the most part uh, for a month. Right. I mean, they've just been terrible uh, up front. Matthew Judon is completely non-existent. I don't know if he's injured. I I, I don't know if he's gassed. Right. I I don't know if they, he emptied the tank early on in the season to try to get, make a good first impression. And now he is where he is now. I thought maybe last week, the week off against Jacksonville essentially would do him some favors and he'd come back fresher as a result. I know on the last scramble, the the screenshots already going around that he got a choke hold and they, uh, you know, it wasn't, um, it wasn't called, uh, but for the most part, I, I, I see a lot of, of sloppy play with the pass rush guys, letting the quarterback out, uh, lack of penetration, lack of pressure on quarterbacks. And the one guy that was creating any sort of pressure or disruption, Christian Barmore gets stretchered off the field at the end of the game today, because he collides with his own teammate with, on a friendly fire play. So hopefully Barmore's injury is, was, you know, just a, a bad bruise or something like that. Cause he collided with Jawan Williams and not a, a serious season ending injury, because if it's season ending, uh, nobody else has, has created any sort of backfield disruption or any sort of pass rush or anything like that uh, to over the last month, month and a half. It, it's a real big problem for their defense. And it was uh, in a lot of ways, I thought that that was a bigger problem in the last couple of weeks than the offense. The fact that this defense has just completely been deflated uh, over the last month they're, they're not built uh, and you look at the kicking game too we talked about the penalty on Lawrence Guy and some of the other kicking game stuff Gunnar Oshevsky has an all-pro season last year as a punt returner this year he's letting punts roll 15 yards and losing field position uh, you look at these types of things their their defense and special teams has to be so much better uh, for them to be competitive with a rookie quarterback and, and where their offense is right now and they're at that side of the ball and that those two phases just aren't holding up their end of the bargain right now. And, and that's a big problem. Yep. That is a big problem right now. And again, it's, it, you talk about everything that had to go right with this team in order to, to win. It had to be execution, you know, not turn the ball over and the defense right. had to play at an elite level when the, Again, it's not fair. And when we talk about Mac, it's not placing most of this on Mac. It's most of it is on the other stuff. Without without those things, this team does not have enough right now to be able to be competitive. And 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 the 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 defense, as you said, there was that pass rush is what kept it alive. That pass rush is what made us believe it might have been a top five NFL defense for a while. When the pass rush went completely bye bye that kind of changed everything. So I don't know if they're yeah. going to get that back or not. Um, it is. They get you have, caught up. You haven't seen Judon since before the bye, you know, yeah. do anything. Yeah. He had that one sack against Buffalo before the bye, but even before that, it, it was really. He had it, dropped off the two games prior to the yeah. bye, went into yeah. the bye and then, and then, and then, all, you know, almost nothing. Non-existent and, and honestly uh, more problematic than, than helpful in right. a lot of ways. And, I don't know. I, I look at this front seven and that was supposed to be a dominant, dominant phase of their team, a dominant area of their team. They've been so far from that. And I think one of the biggest things, and uh, you talking to the assistant coaches, they always talk about, 
having four points right of their pass rush because they don't want to let quarterbacks out of the pocket. And I really feel like sometimes and and Judon, he talked about it and and he claims no, but I, I think he's full of it. And uh, Chris Long and Kyle Van Noy had a funny conversation about it on Chris Long's podcast a month or two ago. Judon early on in the season, I said, F, I think he said F it, right? And he said, I'm going to pin my ears back and get after the quarterback. Yeah. I don't care what the rules are here. I don't care if Bill yells at me. Uh, they're paying me $18 million a year to be here. So what's he going to do? Bench me or kick me off the team because I'm running past the quarterback right. one every 10 rushes, but I have uh, 15 sacks on the year, right? I mean, they're not going to care. And early on in the season, I think you, Judon was just saying, F it. I'm just going to run the run the court arc and, and run around the quarterback the way that I want to do it uh, to get sacks. And it was productive. And then now I feel like they're caught in this half and half. Half, half we want to contain, half we want to pressure. And they're not fully understanding. They're not. They're getting caught in the, in the middle ground of – they're not containing and they're not pressuring because they're trying to do both at the same time. And you have to do one or the other, right? You either have to rush the quarterback or you have to contain and, and mush rush and pack it in and hold the pocket, or you need to pin your ears back and get after it. I, I don't know how else you do it. Right. And so I think right now that's the biggest problem with their pass rushes. They're caught in the middle. They don't know if they want to be a contain rush team or if they want to be a pin your airs back type of team. And the only time that they really feel like they generate pressure now is one, if Barmore busts through, cause he's a mate, you know, been the only guy that's been good. Or if they come up with some sort of pressure, you know, blitz, whatever the case may be to apply pressure on the quarterback, the four man rush, which was so productive early on in the season has been nowhere close to as good so far uh, down the stretch here. So it's just been, that's been probably the biggest drop off of any unit that I've seen. I think the passing game has been pretty consistent. What it is, what it is. The running game has been pretty consistent. It is what it is. The run defense I think is good when it needs to be good at times. And when they want to game plan the run, uh, they're better at stopping it than when they're trying to key on the pass. The pass rush went from elite or really, really good to completely down in the dumps. And that's been uh, the biggest drop off and you can see it defensively. It's been a disaster. It has been a disaster. A couple notes from Mac Jones uh, at the podium says he's yes. emba- he's embarrassed uh, with how he played. Took the fumbled the fumbled snap he put entirely on him, not uh, Ted Karras, who was in for David Andrews for that play. Uh, and you know, all, all in all, had you know a typical Mac presser with just the I've got to play better, but you know, taking a lot of the heat on himself. Um, still waiting on a. Christian Barmore update. He was taken to the locker room. Has Bill spoken yet? Because he's been, I haven't seen him go. I haven't seen that alert come. (laughs) I saw Bill go. He did go. Yes. He, uh, oh yeah, he went right before Mac. He he did not address the, uh, the, well, he talked about the, uh, the fourth and one at the 50 yard line there where they had the false start. Um, did not say whether they ever intended on actually going for it yeah, or they were just trying to draw Miami offside, yeah. just said it was poor execution throughout. Yeah. Um, n- not a ton else. Um, you know, so. Okay. Uh, so- if you're, it starts at the top, right? You can blame all the players. We, we blamed all the players in this show for 45, 49 minutes of this show. But I, I really want to key on that, that fact that I feel like in order for this team right now to be successful, because they they cannot go out there and just out-talent people. They're not there yet. In order for this team to be successful, 
they need to out coach everybody. And right now they're not, they're getting pantsed in some of these coaching matchups. I mean, Sean McDermott and, and uh, Brian Dable pants him a few weeks ago. Uh, the Dolphins pants him today. Uh, I would say uh, the Colts and Reich, same thing. I mean, they got out coached in that game as well. So they've been out coaching these three losses, no doubt about it. And we can blame the players all we want. We can say this guy's underperforming. Mac Jones threw a pick six, this, that, the other thing. There's just so much bad coaching going on too. And, and I, I pointed special teams. Cam McCord might lose his job. I think he's a great, I think he's a really nice guy. He's a lot of fun to talk to. Uh, he's a very fiery coach and very energetic guy. I think he's good for the building. If Joe Judge gets canned by the Giants, <laughs> I mean, how do you not call him back if you're Bill Belichick, right? And say, Cam needs some help. Right. Why, why don't you come back and, and, and start uh, coaching special teams for us again? I, I don't know. It's just a really – I people say, okay, well, the player's got to go out there and execute – the plan is not good. <laughs> the plans just aren't good, right? When you go up against these RPO teams, they were saying on the broadcast, and I, I don't even know who the color commentator was, but I thought he was spot on. When you go up against an RPO team, you have to play aggressive man coverage and you have to charge up the mesh point. You have to stress the quarterback's mesh. And I, I what I mean by that is you have to get in the backfield, you have to penetrate the backfield, and you have to make Tua make a decision that he doesn't want to make in a in a you can't just let him sit back there hold the ball hold the ball hold the ball and then make a decision because that's when it gets difficult to defend it you have to dictate everything that they do and if you don't do that against an rpo team you get shredded just like the patriots did today where they're sitting back trying to react to everything that the dolphins are doing that's you can't do that you can't try to react to an rpo offense you have to dictate the terms and say we're going to force run we're going to force pass we're going to force this decision to be done quickly and those things don't happen with this patriots team when they go up against these schemes then offensively like i said on the pick six you cannot you cannot just sit there and give him only man coverage beaters and then what are you going to do, right? He's throwing into cover two and he's got man coverage beaters on both sides of it. And it's not man coverage. So they broke a tendency. They got out coached on both sides of the ball again. Now for the third time in four in four games, they have to go back to the drawing board as a coaching staff and coach better in the playoffs point blank. Um, the overall tone on Barmore um, just, he was emotional. Mac Jones was emotional at the podium talking about him um, talking that, you know, playoffs are certainly out of the question for him um not clear exactly what the injury is yet but um everybody was talking about as if he's done um so uh, obviously not a great um situation there uh with barmore going down right there late in the game uh before we uh uh, wrap i do want to talk a little bit about um upcoming playoff the potential playoff opponents Uh, we know it will either be and we've talked about this before either the bills or the bengals in the wild card game let's go quickly uh pros and cons of each well first off who would you rather face and why i said the bills earlier in the week i thought the patriots were going to look a lot better than they did today when i said the bills right so so i I, now i I, i'm not sure if i really want to play the bills anymore i think the advantage of playing the bills is you know you know what they're going to try to do to you. You're familiar with them. Uh, you you have some familiarity with the way they're going to play you and you can adapt to what you did in week 16 say, Oh, we did everything wrong in week 16. So let's just throw that game plan out and start from scratch and craft an entire new plan. 
But I think when you play the Bengals, uh, the advantage is obviously should be in the coaching matchup. Zach Taylor versus Bill Belichick is a big mismatch, but I worry with Cincinnati about the uncertainty of that offense. How do you cover those guys? Uh, you never played them before. You, you don't know what, what's going to work and what's not going to work. And I, I look at Burrow and Chase and Boyd and Higgins and Mixon out of the backfield, and I say that's a lot of weapons to cover up. And if you don't have a great plan defensively on how you're going to do it, then I think you're going to get your blow, your doors blown off, at least in the first half, until they finally adjust and figure it out defensively. So I still lean towards Bills just because I think if they're going to have a chance to do this, they're going to have to have a great plan. They're going to have to come in and they're going to have to have a great game plan. And if that's going to be the case, I would think it would come more about the with the familiarity of Buffalo than the uncertainty of Cincinnati. But I know everybody points to the fact that Cincinnati has no playoff medal or experience. What playoff medal or experience do the Patriots have besides Bill, right? I mean, they, they got a rookie quarterback that's playing his first playoff game ever. They're just like the Bengals have a second-year quarterback playing his first playoff game ever. I mean, there's no advantage there. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I – that's what I come back to. I, I think that it's still the bills to me just because of the familiarity, but after the way that they played today, I, I it doesn't matter who it the is. good news is everyone sucks. Um, or, or let's just say every team is capable of looking really, really, right. really ordinary. There's yeah. not a team out there. That's just a machine. There's not a team out there that feels inevitable. You know um, you know, I'd say Casey, Casey clicking yeah. on all cylinders, maybe the only one that's close, but every one of these teams can absolutely puke all over itself at any given time. We've seen it at various points in the season. And in many instances have seen it recently uh, with some of these teams. So um, the Patriots are playing poorly. Now I'd say the one positive here is there's no powerhouse here. So would it be shocking if they went into either city and won? no, but the way they're playing now, it'd be hard to believe that they that 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 they could. So uh, we'll have more on this. We'll uh, we'll preview the matchups, uh, and right after the uh, the uh, Raiders Chargers game, when we know who's going to win, we'll have that up. So make sure if you haven't already, head over and subscribe uh, to our YouTube channel, Patriots Press Pass. Um, and uh, we'll uh, we'll we'll cover the game there. We'll also have live Patriots beat previewing the upcoming matchup coming up on Tuesday, in addition to a bunch of other stuff dissecting the film from this game. Uh, also, all the Patriots interviews and all that good stuff over there. So make sure you head over, subscribe, Patriots press pass over at YouTube, and check out Evan Lazar over at CLNS Media. He will have his full write up of this game as the Patriots fall thirty three twenty four. In their season finale to the Dolphins, second time they lose to the Dolphins, they go three and three against the AFC East this year, losing twice to Miami. Uh, Patriots finish ten and seven. All things considered, if you said Patriots would finish ten and seven and make the playoffs this year, and you take it, you, you take, would the take it. You would take it, but we can want more. I, I, don't don't settle for anything, right? We you can take the money more. and run. Yeah, yeah. I also but, want to shout out all of our friends in Buffalo in the chat, per usual, coming back to Patriots press pass to come and try to trash talk in the chat. I love the fact that you guys are taking time out of your Sunday night to come on a Patriots <laughs> channel and trash talk a bunch of Patriots fans about a game that you were not involved in. I love it. I just yeah. think it's that tells me 
everything that there is to know about Buffalo. So I, yeah, yeah. I appreciate all you guys. Hey, it jacks up the numbers. So we love you guys. Come back. No, are you kidding? It's, uh, it's, it's great. And, uh, you know, we, 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 we love you guys and, uh, yeah. we feel sorry for you at the same time. No, I'm just kidding. Well, everyone, every, familiarity breeds contempt. It's Buffalo's yeah. division right now. Um, and so that's a good thing. It's much more fun. We talk about who do we want to face in the first round? Buffalo. It's spicy. Yeah. It's fun. Yeah. Um, so bring it on. That's what I want to see. So we'll see what happens there. And uh, like I said, we'll break that all down. But yeah, thanks everybody who joined. It did get salty in here today. It That's did. okay. Everybody's emotional. I get it. I get it. Uh, but thank you guys again for hanging out. Uh, for Evan Lazar, I'm John Zanis.